Contending for the faith one verse at a time. This is Truth Matters Church. In this follow-up to our last study, He is Coming with the Clouds, today we look at when that glorious event occurs on the biblical timeline. With a review of the seals, trumpets, and bowl judgments, we are able to clearly see the signs that precede Christ's return to earth. We pick up in Revelation 1, verse 7. And now with our study, Pastor Alex Cateroa. We are continuing our study in the book of Revelation, and we find ourselves in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. And before we get into our main course for today, I do want to always try to make sure that we as a group are walking together as collectively as possible. And from what I've gathered from conversations in our last study, there was a lot of questions that came up. So I do want to take a moment before we pick up in our study to tie up some loose ends. And our study last week was titled, Behold, He is Coming with the Clouds. And as we've learned, that's prophecy. That's one of the many prophecies in the book of Revelation because the book of Revelation, the entire book, is a book of prophecy. So that would be ahead of the penning of John, which was 95 or 96 AD, into the future until the very end, the end of the age, and even into the eternal state. But I do want to mention that behold, he is coming with the clouds as I've continued in the supplementary studies, I would actually argue this is the main prophecy of this entire book, and we'll see in a little bit. But what we learned in our study last week was when Jesus gave the Olivet Discourse and spoke to his disciples, we were able to connect that Matthew 24, 30, Luke 21, verse 27, And our verse that we're studying, Revelation 1, verse 7, it's all speaking about the same vision and prophecy. And the way we were able to make that connection is because in the Olivet Discourse, we have the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And that's corroborated in Luke's account, the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and glory. And in our very verse, Behold, he is coming with the clouds. And there was other characteristics that were shared upon these verses. You know, the, the Son of Man will, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, then all of the tribes will mourn. And that's all consistent across these three passages. So we, were, we learned from our last study that because the, this, these three passages are all connected, we learned that the sign of the Son of Man in the sky coming with power and great glory is linked to Jesus coming with the clouds. When his his disciples asked him for the sign, what is the sign of your coming? That sign is tied to him coming with the clouds with power and great glory. That was the sign. I can tell you that at least leading up to this study, and I'm thankful for this approach, I always come with a blank slate. I thought initially, at least heading in, when the sun becomes blackened and the moon becomes blood red, I thought that was the sign of the sun of the man, the sign of the sun of man in the sky. 
But because we were able to connect these three passages as, as part of the same vision and prophecy, and of course taking the Scripture as a whole, the sign of the Son of Man is more appropriately tied to Him coming with the clouds, with power and great glory. And as I mentioned, no one in the world is going to miss that monumental event. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But behold, he is coming with the clouds. Here's what, let me just say this simply. That is going to lead to the revelation, unveiling of Jesus Christ to the world. Let me say it again. This prophecy, behold, he is coming with the clouds. That is the revelation of Jesus Christ when he is unveiled to the world. Get that? So I want to clarify something, though, because based on some of the questions and conversations is it might have seemed that when there were signs in the heavens and then you see the Son of Man coming, that it's all going to happen pretty much in a little amount of time, maybe a day or the next day. But I want to take a moment to show that after the shaking of the heavens or when this shaking of the heavens begins and Jesus coming in the clouds, it's not going to occur in a single moment. And I'd like to take a moment to show you. And for this, I'd like to refer to Luke's account of the Olivet Discourse. And I want to read Luke 21. We'll pick it up in verse 25. Jesus said there, There will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth dismay among nations, in perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves. Men fainting from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these things happen, the shaking of the heavens, straighten up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. So before the Son of Man comes in a cloud, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And those were, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. Nations will be perplexed at the roaring of the sea and the waves. And let, let me just pause here. Part of the signs, in addition to the shaking of the heavens, the, you know, the sun, moon, and stars on earth, there's going to be roaring of the sea and waves. The world is probably going to experience some sort of gravitational pull that's going to result in waves in the oceans that are without comprehension. And the nations will be perplexed at the roaring of the sea and the waves. That's one of the signs leading up before he comes. And this prophecy says men are literally going to faint from fear and the expectation of the things which are happening in the space and on the earth. After such things... Then they, the nations and the men, will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And I want to call our attention to verse 28 when he says, But when these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Now allow me to reread this verse and just plugging in what these things are in context. But when you see the signs in the sun, the sun is darkened, and you see the moon blood red, and you see stars, asteroids coming to the earth, 
And when there are great tidal waves of epic proportions in the oceans, including the great Mediterranean Sea. Remember, he saw an angel stirring up the great sea, the Rab Yam, causing men to faint in dread and fear begin to take place. He says, straighten up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. When he says our redemption is drawing near, that doesn't mean that necessarily that our salvation is that day or the next day. And Jesus then gives them this parable of a fig tree. Let's continue on. Luke 21. Pick it up in verse 29. Then he told them this parable. He goes, Behold, the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they put forth leaves, you see it, and you know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things, what are these things? The signs in the sun, moon, and stars, and the great tidal waves that are happening on the earth, when you see these things happening, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. A fig tree blooming tells us that summer is near. When the heavens are shaken, the sun, moon, stars, the roaring tidal waves, and the earth is in dread, we are to recognize that the kingdom of God is near. When these things happen, the King of Kings is coming soon on the clouds with great power and glory. So with that, I want to make this comment and make this clear. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, as we studied last week. Let me say it this way. Behold, he is not coming right away. And I like to point out this. From the time that the heavens begin to be shaken, and we start to see the impact that it has on the earth, there's going to be at least a three and a half year gap. And I'd like to show this to you by comparing the seals and the trumpet vision. Remember, Jesus is not coming and he cannot come with the clouds while the heavens are being shaken. From Matthew and Luke, he is coming with the clouds after the heavens are shaken. And if you're taking notes, when we look at the book of Revelation, the heavens started to shake during the sixth seal. Let me read that to you. Revelation 6, we'll pick it up in verse 12. I looked when he broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair. And the whole moon became like blood. And the stars of the sky, and the Greek here is aster, which we get our English word asteroid, fell to the earth. As a fig tree, interesting, he gave the parable of the fig tree, casts his unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. And he says, the sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up. And every mountain and island were moved out of its places, out of their places. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the presence of the lamb for the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? And in the seventh seal, so the heavens started to shake in the sixth seal. And we started to experience some of the impacts, also great earthquakes on earth. How do you know you're in the sixth seal? 
when the sun doesn't give its light, when the moon is blood red, and there's a great earthquake and the tidal waves and everything, you are in the sixth seal. Got it? So has that happened yet? No. So that already confirms and tells us that that prophecy is still future from us. So I wanted to make that comment. So if you wanted to know where are we in the book of Revelation, as far as human history, where we are today, we're not in the sixth seal yet. But those are very telltale signs and events that tells you that you're in the sixth seal. But let's look at the seventh seal. It says, fire was thrown from heaven to earth. And that's in Revelation 8, 4, and 5. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and threw it from heaven to earth. And there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. So what's happening in the heavenlies When this seventh seal happens, it's going to manifest itself on earth with peals of thunder, sounds, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. That's how we see it on our side. But on the in the heavenlies, in the unseen world, this is what's happening on that side. An angel threw, took a censer and filled it with fire of the altar and threw it to the earth. As you follow the seals and then the trumpets, remember, we're taking the book of Revelation the way it's given, chronologically. The way John was given it is the way we're taking it. So after the seven seals, the seventh seal is open, then seven trumpets, and then there are seven trumpets, and then after the seventh trumpet is blown, then it's a seven bowl of wrath, all in succession. So when the heavens started to shake in the sixth seal, When you get to the first four trumpets, the heavens were still being shaken. Let me show that to you. In the first trumpet, Revelation 8, verse 7, the first sounded, the first trumpet sounded, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and they were thrown to the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Taking notes here. How do you know you're in the first trumpet? When there's hail and fire coming from space to earth and a third of the earth is burned up, a third of the trees are burned up and, a, and the green grass was all burned up. You're in the first trumpet. But the heavens continue to be shaken in the second trumpet. The second angel sounded and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood and a third of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died and a third of the strips were destroyed. So how do you know if you're in the second trumpet? Something like a a meteor the size of a mountain hits the ocean, kills a third of the creatures, and destroys pretty much that which is in the sea. You're in the second trumpet. Third trumpet, the heavens were still shaken. The third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of waters. The name of the star is called Wormwood. And a third of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died from the waters because they were made bitter. Another telltale. How do you know if you're in the third trumpet? Okay, some great star from heaven burning like a torch fell and it hit the rivers and then the springs of waters became bitter. When that happens, you are 
And you are here, you're in the third trumpet. Fourth trumpet. Remember, the, the heavens are still being shaken here. The fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars were struck, so that a third of them would be darkened, and the day would not shine for a third of it, and of the night the same way. Okay. When something happens in space where the sun for a third of it is not shining, the moon for a third of it is also not shining at night, and the stars you are in the fourth trumpet. Now, here's a little note here. The way we measure time right now, everything is pretty synchronized, right? I mean, I think we have it pretty much down as close as we can get it as far as measuring time, where we are as a civilization. What do you think is going to happen when the heavens get shaken and the sun is not shining for a third of it, neither the moon at night, and then also the stars and its constellations? What do you think that's going to do for us keeping track of time? You think it's going to disrupt it a little bit? Daylight savings is already disrupting us, right? Imagine striking a third of the moon and a third of the sun and the stars. So this whole idea of no one knows the day or the hour, well, if everything's going to be off, that certainly is ringing true, isn't it? As far as the day and hour, you won't, you're going to, we're going to be confused as to what part of the day and what part of the hour are we really if we can't measure it by what we've been accustomed to measuring time. And then when we get to the fifth trumpet, are you with me? Remember, I'm trying to show you when the heavens shake or began to shake, it continued to be shook for a period of time. And I'm going to show you that there's at least a three and a half year gap. When we get to the fifth trumpet, and this is the first woe, there's three woes spoken of. The fifth trumpet, the heavens weren't shaken in the same manner as the first four, but an angel was summoned and came from heaven to earth. And that's in Revelation 9, verses 1 and 2. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star from heaven, that's an angel, which had fallen to the earth, and the key of the bottomless pit was given to him. He opened the bottomless pit, and smoke went up out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. Now, when you get to the fourth trumpet, there's already a third of the sun, moon, and stars that were struck. Now, imagine when you get to the fifth trumpet, this angel was given a key to the bottomless pit. He opened it, and smoke went up out of the pit, and the smoke of a great, it was like a great furnace, and the sun and the air were even darkened further from our view. And that angel is Abaddon, or Apollyon in the Greek, came from heaven to earth. That's the first woe. When that happens, you're in the fifth trumpet of human history. Sixth trumpet, the second woe. More angels continue to be summoned. In Revelation 9, we'll pick it up in verse 13. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, one saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates and the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released so that it would kill a third of mankind. Now here's, here's where I'm, I went through all that to get to this point. When you get to the sixth trumpet, two witnesses arrive on the scene and they prophesied for 1260 days. 
So when the sixth trumpet was blown, the two witnesses came and their ministry lasted for three and a half years. So what can we take away from this? And here's the case in point. There is at least a three and a half year gap between the sixth seal and the sixth trumpet. Let me say that again. When we're in the sixth seal and the sun becomes darkened and the moon blood red and then asteroids are starting to make its way to earth, from that time that seal is broken in this vision and prophecy and then when we get to the sixth trumpet, there's at least, at least when we get to the end of the sixth trumpet, there's at least three and a half years because in the sixth trumpet, the two witnesses prophesied for three and a half years. So here's the truth. Jesus will return on the clouds sometime after the sixth trumpet. Let me say that again. When is Jesus coming? He is coming after the sixth trumpet. Do you see how when we were learning this, and I talked about this kind of in passing, uh, I know, you know some of us might have some different views on eschatology. There's some teachings out there. Um, when it comes to, you know, let's say a, a pre-mill, pre-trib rapture or some sort of secret rapture. Well, we're bumping up against here. It's like, no, he's coming on the clouds after the heavens are shaken and the heavens haven't been shaken yet and he can't come before that. So you're going to run into a lot of problems with scripture if you hold to that view that Jesus can come in some sort of secret rapture. No, he's coming after the heavens are shaken, beginning in the sixth seal all the way through, even to the career of the two witnesses. Jesus is not coming before the two witnesses fulfill their ministry and are killed and then are raised and are taken up to heaven before the eyes of the people there. He, he can't come, and the day of the Lord cannot come until that is fulfilled. You got that? So when the sun becomes black and the moon blood red, there will at least be three and a half years before Jesus returns on the clouds with great power and glory. So if, if, for any, if for, we find ourselves in that time and we see these things happen in space and the things that are happening on earth and we see the nations and the men, just the world, just in scared, you know, COVID scared us. Imagine the shaking of the heavens and what that does and what that'll do. Oh, we're going to see how fearful this is going to be. But when that happens, if you're here, sun black, moon red, asteroids coming, great tidal waves, as believers, this is exactly what our Lord told us. Raise up your head. The King of Kings is coming soon. And be faithful to the end. As we continue to see in our study, taking Revelation literally and chronologically just as the Apostle John saw and wrote it really helps us get a clear understanding of the context and those events that will unfold in the future. And as we'll see next time, there is even more to the incredible truths about the return of Jesus Christ, and we'll see how every eye will see him upon his return. We thank you so much for listening today and do hope that you were blessed by this message. Don't forget to subscribe to the Truth Matters Church podcast on your favorite platform and mark us as a favorite on Sermon Audio. Contending for the faith one verse at a time. This is Truth Matters Church.